welcome to the GNT Show. Alright, welcome everyone to the final GNT Show of the year. And once again, I'm joined by my host with the most man who this week was caught in a car with Ofahiki Ogden as, they, as he was trying to vaccinate them in the early hours of... Monday morning in an eastern suburbs car park. Gee. How are you going? I figured now we're allowed to move around the city a little bit more freely. I thought I'd take the vaccinations um, to other LGAs. It's only fair to share. Is it like an ironing service where they ring you up and you come sit in their car, vaccinate them? And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. See them for 15 minutes and then yes. off you go. I've got a whole box of um, cold, cold storage in the, in the back of the car. And um, give them out when requested. Gee, can I ask you a question? Do you get a Medicare rebate? I, I don't know. Given, given you're not um, a registered practitioner. I've created a many offshore accounts um, with the help of some overseas accountants and hidden all my income overseas. Right. Okay. So if there's any clubs out there looking to get another peptide scandal going, geez, yep. man, the new Stephen True. Dank of the rugby league world. Yes, I am. Michele Ferrari. All right. Well, well, we'll cover the news and then we've got the grand final. First off, first off the bat, um, we must congratulate the Panthers team. They've been represent. We've been talking off air about how they've represented the community, particularly the Mount Druitt community, and just just a great story for them. And you know, it's been a long time between drinks for them as well. It's been eighteen years, not quite as long as Para, no, but a long time for them. Um, so our congratulations go to Penrith. It's really good to have a lot of the local juniors play. They sort of really they have deep feelings and connections to the community, and it really meant a lot to them and to the community for Penrith to win, which I think is awesome. So congratulations, Penrith. And even with COVID, you kind of wish they had an opportunity like the Melbourne Demons in Melbourne to celebrate a long, long-awaited premiership. Apparently they're celebrating <laughs> celebrating this morning on the beach, having, having a few beers, it said in the paper. Not a bad way to celebrate, you know. Um, up in Queensland, so it's uh, and they can't get into trouble, which is great. All right, shall we move on to Narcos Week in the NRL? Netflix needed a new Narcos Week, so the NRL starring starring the Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Storm spine. Oh God! A former Canterbury Bankstown forward. Yes, <laughs> and and a, and a youngster from New Zealand. Yeah, the Nar- so, Narco Rugby League. We 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 covered Reese Walsh last week, but but first off. Um, there was alleged, well, the video isn't alleged. The video has been posted online for those that go looking for it. Um, Melbourne Storm players yep. um, have been filmed with uh, alleged white substance. Let's just call them bags. Um, in, in a video celebrating, Cam, Cam Munster was celebrating on a table. Uh, there were white bags there. Um, it looks like the, the there is quite a bit of fallout from this. So the players have gone to ground. Brandon Smith was very sheepish at the Dally M's which we'll talk about as well. You forget that the Daly M was during the week as well. It's been a massive week. And so it looks like it's going to be a $40,000 fine. And and there are rumours that the, the Storm potentially have had enough of Cam Munster's antics. And if he wants to go to a a different, uh, an expansion team in 2023 that none of the other 16 clubs know about, um, then he should go. <laughs> and... And and there is, yeah, there is a room. And the rumour is that he's going to be stood down from the leadership group. So there's going to be quite a long... Um, there's going to be quite a big fallout from this. This is not the Melbourne Storm culture. Cam Smith, who's not there anymore, was allegedly, well, not allegedly, he was really dirty about it. And he said when this happened to Nelson Asofa Solomona last time, they didn't speak to him for six months, basically. Wow, geez, that's um, pretty heavy. I mean, his comments were quite, it was almost like a stern father or a parent 
talking to their children in a way, the way he the way he spoke about the incident, and that's obviously him trying to be quite diplomatic about what he really felt. So his words were kind of strong. You can kind of see, listening to all that, why their culture is the way it is. A lot of other clubs would try to cover that up, especially if it's one of their better players. And Melbourne's, as the rumours have it, are kind of happy to see him go. And if you look at the Storm, sometimes talent-wise, they let those players go. Like um, we talk about Scott at Canberra. Went through a few incidents, had a few off-field. I mean, the poor kid seems to be struggling with a few things, like he's mentioned, so he needs support. But... Melbourne got rid of him, even though he was their premiership starting centre and actually young and talented and quite effective. And they're like, well, we've had enough. And with Munster, I've heard, you know, this is all alleged rumours, but you hear there's a bit of that sort of we've had enough of his antics been floating around for a, a couple of years with Munster. I think culture is a big word for Melbourne, and I think it actually means something. I think it's some yeah. of the other clubs, it's not as important. And that's why they're successful year on year, right? And that's why you can take a journeyman and turn them into a great first grader yes. that does a job for you because they're indoctrinated in a culture that works. And, and and I think there's an element of that to the Melbourne Storm and I think they want to stand for something. They want to take these kids that come in as kids and they leave the Melbourne Storm system as adults, and which we've been critical of the NRL for not yeah. doing enough of. And this would be the ultimate because he is an elite player, top 10 player. He's going to command a million bucks a year. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Someone will pay him. But if they let him go, I'll tell you who they'll go in for straight away. Mitchell Pearce. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they, absolute, absolutely. Uh, he was rumoured to go there and they were interested a few years back when he was leaving the, the Roosters. And he's the perfect type of player, right? He's like the Benji style of... But, but better than Benji and he's younger than Benji. So he, he could go into the Melbourne Storm system and eke out another premiership, I think. He, he fits their system quite well. And if you look really at the way well. their team is, he would play the Cooper Cronk role. And he would probably really work well within that culture. And then on top of that, you'd probably shift Jerome Hughes to 5'8", so he can run more and not yeah, have correct. as much of a load on the kicking. Oh, actually, that would be a really good signing. <laughs> correct, correct. So, But let's see how it all plays out. But And this morning, there was a report that Ofahiki Ogden, yep. with the Bulldogs till the 1st of November, we, we, we alluded to it in our intro. Yes. But you were in the car. He was arrested for drug possession. Yep. Now, he said it was just a peptide and you were vaccinating him. What's the real story here, G? <laughs> I will defer to Stephen Danks on that one. To me, look, the drugs issue is a society thing. And I think we we somehow expect the NRL plays to be any different from what happens in society. Dude, dude the season ended yesterday and we're already onto the fourth incident. And this, <laughs> this is... <laughs> it's like... It's like it's one, the off-season is one day old. <laughs> I know. And this is the bit that I don't get. If you're off a of Hickey Ogden, right... And I think he's a player with immense potential. And you don't have a contract at the moment. Okay, you don't have a contract. And basically, the last week has been players getting allegedly in trouble for drug possession or drug usage or whatever it is. And it's all been in the press, regardless of if it's true or not. Don't you think you'd wait a couple of weeks before you decide to do that? If you, I mean, come on. Come on, Ophahiki, what are you doing? I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing, but there you go. So at the rate we're going, if there's 120 days in the off-season, we're going to have 480 incidents between now. now the whole now. of the NRL, narco rugby league, will be, mo- will be moving to Mexico. Who's the head gangstone narcos? Because that, that, be, that would be a role Peter Volandis could easily. <laughs> no, Peter Volandis is probably the narco. Him and Andrew Abdo, the partners, trying to track everything down. Yeah, correct, correct. All right, um, in more... Bulldogs news. Yes, there's a lot of it. Yep. Danny Widley yesterday published uh, excerpts or analysis of the Sonny Bill situation. His book's coming out at the end of the month. Um, I have pre-ordered it. I, yep. I'm, 
I'm, I'm unashamedly a Sonny Bill Williams fan. And as someone who's old enough to remember him leaving the Bulldogs, there was a lot of promises made to Sonny Bill and it wasn't quite as clear-cut the, the reasons for leaving, leaving, even though it was portrayed as a money-motivated incident. I think there was a lot more elements to it than that. Yes, there, there was. When we were talking about it on the weekend, the interesting thing to me was just the treatment of minority groups in that early 2000s Bulldogs team, particularly given its supporter base. And you, you said Hazem El Masri had a similar experience to Sonny Bill. And, yeah. And I, 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 I mean, that if that's the way they are treating the minority groups, particularly that represents such a large constituency of your supporters, well, you can see why the club's lost its way. It's a difficult... It was a very strange thing. Like, I have uh, enormous admiration for Steve Folkes. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches with his faults. If you look at his record and the way he regenerated the team two or three times, that's actually elite-level coaching, right? But And he would always come out and publicly support his, his team, always. Um, so I found it very unusual, and I distinctly remember this, and would have to check it, like where, when Hazem was kind of retiring and he gave a press conference to announce his retirement, he actually didn't mention Steve Folkes. Interesting by its omission, considering Steve Folkes was pretty much his first grade coach for his whole career. So, and the Bulldogs always allowed Hazem to, you know, promote the, you know, Islamic faith and sort of talk about it on a consistent basis. But I found that quite a glaring omission. And then when you go back, and I think it's in, in El Magic, his book, he, he kind of said he got questioned in a similar way about um, Sonny Bill in terms of, you know, the, the, it's the whole Mundine Kodanasa connection that sort of made people fearful of whatever it is and it turned Hazem off for a while. I mean, now it's probably okay, but who knows? I mean, he, the, the, neither of them suit rugby league culture, right? They don't drink anymore, <laughs> they don't gamble, they don't get into trouble, they lead clean lifestyles. I mean, that's... If you spoke to some of the playing group, they actually respected Hazem a lot because he was able to be so disciplined. I um, mean, you'd hear a lot of stories about pre-season training and especially under Steve Folks, which was quite brutal, and he wouldn't drink water when he was fasting, which if you think about it, I'm surprised El Masri didn't just pass out. Yeah. Listening to that, I mean, that little bit can turn you off because it's about you as a person. And that adds to that whole Sonny Bill Williams story about why he walked out. Like, I can see the club's perspective that he blindsided them a little bit. And they said, if you wanted to go at the end of the season, we were cool. But then you read Sonny's perspective. I'm trying to make changes in my life and better myself as a person. And I feel like I'm being targeted or victimised. And, you know, it, it's not a comfortable feeling. And so why wouldn't you work out, walk out? You, you don't feel like you belong anymore. So very, intre- very interesting take. They had promised him... Quite a few, like Willie Mason. There was a lot of signings that they were promised, and as a result of, they said, if you take less money now, we're going to sign the squad, and then they let Willie Mason go. And like there was a lot of duplicitous behaviour from the dogs here. They're not completely clean during that period, right? No, no. But I mean, look, that's all the salary cap stuff. It's if you go back and look at it, it's all it's all messed up. The, the NRL also had different rules then for third party engagements and stuff. Because as a fan, I distinctly, and this is something that's actually never sat with me well anyway. No, irrespective of whether no no irrespective here of whether Sunnyville was This is uh, about how you guys were the victims of the salary cap? No no this is this is about they had a restriction on players that cuz part of the thing that frustrated me about Sunny Bill was that he was such a marketable athlete that if you remember Nike Gatorade and all these massive companies wanted a piece of him but he wasn't able to take that because Nike at the time was the Bulldogs jersey sponsor so it wasn't considered to be a you know, independent sponsorship at arm's length. So, but the way I looked at it, irrespective of what team he played for, he was the most marketable player in the game. Why shouldn't he be earning a million, two million dollars a year? No matter who he played for, you know? So some of the rules have changed, which is great, but back then, parochial, 
sort of rules that didn't really fit the way sport was going, I thought. Fair enough. All right, listen, I've got a couple of stories before we get on to grand final week. It's yes. It's just such a, such a big week. So uh, whilst we're on the Bulldogs theme... Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Arthur Laundy yes. was quoted in the press early in the week. Does, does any other sponsor... No, he quoted in no. the press as much as Arthur Laundy does. Is he actually running the Bulldogs? I don't he, know. <laughs> he came know. out. He came out and apologised. That this is on the back page. He apologised to Matt Burton for trying to get him across to the Bulldogs early, which is an odd thing for a sponsor to say. And then he went on in the article to say he's, at, he's never actually met Matt Burton, and he dropped him a text. <laughs> it's just. Give Matt Burton's what? like, who the fuck is this number? What? Who is this? What? What the who are you? Hi, Matt. How are you? I apologise. <laughs> so, who are you? <laughs> what is going who is on? This? Who is this? What is going on? Mind you, we even said at the time, if you weren't Matt Burton, and obviously people know I'm a Bulldogs fan, why would you go to the Bulldogs? They're running last. And Penrith's got a chance well, of winning I mean, the comp. He was, he was unlucky I mean, not to get the Clive Churchill as well. That is an amazing pickup, but I think he might be a centre. He might be a setup. I, the more I watch him, I think he's probably the potential to be the best centre in the comp. Whereas as a 5'8", you know, he may become one of the better ones, if that makes sense. Like, you watch Cody Walker play and Matt Burden, and they're two totally different players, and Cody Walker is basically the elite 5'8 in the comp. What I worry about is if you're going to have Matt Burton there, whose elite skill is really long kicking and running. Yes, it's running. And you... And you're going to ask him... To, well, he's got a really long kicking game as well. He's actually got a decent kick, long kicking game. I'm not sure about his short kicking game, but if you don't have another half back there or another half... How much falls on his shoulders? Yeah, well, is he going to... Yeah. You take away his strength, right? And then I think hooker and half is a real problem for the dogs. Anyway... Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we, we knew this at the time, but Matt Burden made the right decision. <laughs> Stay correct. In. Correct. Yeah. What a surprise. It's like when Remus Smith said, I didn't want to go to the storm when I was 18. Wrong decision. Wrong Matt decision. Matt's staying with Pen- Penrith? Good decision. Right. Oh, very good decision. All right. Before we get on to the grand final week, uh, Tommy Turbo did end up winning the Daly M. Yes. As you suggested. And I think yep. that was a just result. I think in every game he played, T, he was pretty much the man of the match because Mandy went through their winning streak. Well, you'll remember it as Tommy Turbo's season. The, the, question, I, the question I had about the Daly M's, and I've got another story about the Daly M's here, is... Um, how do they pick the centre of the year and the coach of the year and these guys? It used to be in the old days, the highest point getters used to get the positions. Joey Manu was clearly the best centre in the comp this year, polled the highest for centres in that position with 15. Yeah. And missed out to Justin Olam, who got six points. And I kind of feel like Justin Olam was, an, was a nod to the fact that they left him off and Cam Munster wrote an article and all that sort of stuff. Matt Burton was fair enough, but... I just it's 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 such a bit odd. It's so odd. I don't know if they explain it well. Like they don't. No, no. But Justin Nolan didn't get an invite originally. It wasn't an oversight. It wasn't an administrative error. We covered this off last week. They only invite the top three to five vote getters in the position. Yes. And Justin yeah, Nolan was wasn't a three to five. Correct. A center of the year. Figure that out. And yet he got center of the year. It's just so odd. I don't know how Joey Marnie didn't get center of the year. I can't understand with Justin Nolan. Like Matt Burden, I think, and. Joey Marner were clearly the two best centres, and I think Olam was a shade underneath them for me, but top four or five. So they probably looked at defence. Who knows? There's probably a whole range of criteria, but the NRL doesn't really explicitly explain a lot of this stuff. It's like, hey, go dig into our website, and you might find it on page 700 after you click through a few times. It's the NRL all over, really. And the Dally M's has evolved. If you remember, the Rothmans medal was a lot more like the Brownlow, and the Dally M 
because it was run by news solely and it's evolving but even the rothman's medal i mean that that went the way of the dinosaur because of the cigarette sponsorship and even that Correct. wasn't around for that long no it, it was purely... it actually it, it actually doesn't have the same history as the Brownlow. It was voted the same way. It was it was only run from 1968 to, 19, to 1997. So it was only 30 years old. But that's the NRL all over, right? They get rid of it. But it, then... it was the official medal, right? It was the official medal. And that, if you remember, had more prestige. Dally M's was kind of like the more fun awards sort of that were given out. The more the awards that had a little bit more fun attached to them given by I the I mean, the Dally, and... the Dally M's is 12 years younger. It started in 1979. Yeah. And Slippery Steve Morris got the first one, actually. I think it's irrespective, though. You kind of Did Olam really have a better season than Joey Manu? I'd say no. No, no, he didn't. He absolutely didn't. I, my right. point, my, my, I have one thing from the Dalliams, is I thought Cody Walker would run Tommy Trebojevic close. Yeah, he didn't get think... enough points for mine. Yeah, there were games where he dominated and he didn't get it. Now, what I will say about Cody Walker, though, I said this to you when we were doing our Team of the Year. Statistically... Cody Walker doesn't give you the body of work over a game. What he gives you is magic moments in a game. Yes, he does. But yeah, so so that's the thing with Cody Walker. It's just it's not like a Tommy Turbo where every time he touches the ball he's dangerous. It's not like that. What he does is there's two in the games where he's playing really well. There's three magic moments. There were games that I watched South play where they put the cue in the rack and he'd set up four or five tries. And so I, I look at that result. I just expected him to poll a little bit higher than he did. Um, so I was kind of surprised. And we'll get to it in the Souths game. We keep saying he's like Cliffy Lyons, but he but he does play... You know, you know there are a lot of set plays at Souths too. It's not just all off the cup footy. No, no, definitely. And there he just, are he set just happens to be in that position on the left edge. where You don't, you know what I mean? Like, I... I get it, but I do agree with you that he should have polled more votes. In fact, he was my tip for the Dally M because I thought yeah. he played more games. So I, I was surprised by that as well. But at the end of the day, I look at I look at and I go, Tommy. If I remember an individual performance this season, it's going to be Tommy Turbo. Absolutely. Three best players this season, in my opinion, were Tommy Turbo, uh, Cody Walker, and. Nathan Cleary, and they were the top three vote getters, and so I kind of go, they got it about right. They are getting better at that, I have to say. I, you know, you kind of look at a season, and go, yeah, they pretty much were the best players in the comp. So fair enough, but well done, John, Tommy Turbo, and won the players' player as well. Correct. Well, um, unsurprisingly, so let's. The last story I've got from the Dallyems is um, Peter Valandis, the Emperor. Yes. What's he done now? If you if you go online and have a look. And this has now become quite a quite a um, thread in Twitter. Josh Aloia. Yep. Two points, Josh Aloia. And instead of saying that, what Peter Volandi's actually said was um, two points, O'Shea Olay. <laughs> and and Josh Aloia, in credit to him, actually changed his Instagram name to O'Shea Olay after Peter Volandi's called him that. It shows a, a, a good sense of Oh, Don't worry, Peter. It's just half the league's made up of Polynesians. I mean, Josh is a very common name. <laughs> like, I, I, look, I Even understand. Even if you don't get the LOIA right, what about the Josh bit? I mean, with some of the, the Polynesian names, once you, you you become aware of how sort of you, you can say them, they become a lot easier to pronounce. But when you look at them, sometimes they appear to be more difficult than they are. And so it takes a bit of practice and understanding. But Josh is probably not the one you <laughs> should get wrong. O'Shea Olay. I shall, that's what I shall call you from now on, G. O'Shea Olay. The, G, the T and O'Shea Olay show. Well, I I, I, I got to say, he is the chairman of the National Rugby League. I know he's running. I know he's running <laughs> I seventeen know. sports, but he could have made more of an effort there. I've got to 
I agree. Okay. Um, between, between him and Cooper Cronk, we should send them the dictionary and highlight conflict of interest and see if they understand. But I do it think means. it's funny that he's he's he stuffed Josh up. Anyway, go. Okay. So, look, I want to move on to grand final week, but before yep. I do, it would be remiss of me not to mention the Jaden Nikarima interview in the Sunday paper on the twenty sixth of September. Um, it was in the <clears throat> it was in the fluffy section, you know, the Sunday review or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, yep. It completely got swept under the carpet by the rest of the rugby league media. I haven't even heard about it. Yeah, so Jaden Nikarima... Well, I mean, why would you? You only host the rugby league (laughs) podcast. But but Jaden Nikarima um, came out. And if you remember, Jaden Nikarima was actually the the gun youth player at one point, right? He was, yeah. I was going to say... Next big thing. And Jaden Nikarima came out. And one of the interesting lines he had in there was how... He he mentioned how rampant drug taking was in the rugby league. And, you know, he's had his issues with drugs. And he said how it was just part of the culture. And he, as a youngster coming in, he just assumed, because everyone did it, that it was okay. And it's been swept under the carpet. But I think this drug issue, and we've seen it with four incidents <laughs> one day into the off-season. I, I, it is a society issue, but I suspect the NRL reflects society, particularly young men of that age. Absolutely. And that's what I mean. It's not an NRL issue. So the, if you look at, you know, anecdotally, use of that type of stuff is rampant with kids that age. Um, the NRL is going to be the same. All right, let's move on to NRL Grand Final Week. First yep. up, the big news early on in the week uh, was, of course, um, South lodging a formal complaint about the Panthers trader Hayden Knowles. Now, I know Hayden Knowles because he was a Parramatta trainer uh, many, many years ago, particularly when we had our good run in the early 2000s and late 90s. He, they complained that the NRL rules state that the trainer is only allowed to enter the field. Hello, Misty. The NRL rules state that you're only allowed to enter the field of play three times, maximum a half, and he entered the field of play 13 times during the game. Now, it was clever on one one half because they are taking the piss out of these rules, these clubs, one. And two, two because it, because the bubble for Penrith only has a certain number of people in it, I think Hayden Knowles, because of the suspension to the previous trainer, the other trainer, Actually, it left them down a trainer. <laughs> they would have been short for grand final day. So it was a combination of NRL shithousery from Souths and Penrith completely stretching the rules. It's absolutely taking the piss out of these rules. Like, I mean, T, you know, if you, you ran the trainer out six times or five times and the limit's three, I get it. But when you're talking 13 or 15, I don't know. At what point does the NRL stop it? Like, I mean, come on. Oh, God. That's not even close to, we're just bending the rules a little bit. It's like, thanks NRL, we're going to do whatever we want anyway. Who cares? Well, I mean, just just the whole, the, the finals were great this year, but the rules went out the window. Yes, absolutely, the, totally. Absolutely, the rules went out the window. Six against became less, play of the balls became slower. Um, the, the average play of the ball in the grand final was nearly four seconds. Oh, hello, yeah. Didn't you see what Penrith were doing? They were actually gang-tackling and turning the person... Both teams. As soon as South saw that that was the rules, they slowed the play of the ball down. That's why you got such low-scoring games. We were saying it last week, they're mm. defending through the play of the ball, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's almost becoming the way of the NBA, where it's a completely different sport once it comes finals time. It's more, it's more like what the sport was two years ago rather than the regular yeah. season. So... All right, if we move on from that, then what happened was um, Tavita Pangai Jr. was injured during the week, um, and he pulled out of the team. Yeah. Rather than that. do a fitness test, and he said, Spencer Liu deserves to play, which was amazing, right? Which is a lovely thing to do. And when asked about it, he said, I've been through more high, more t- tougher moments than missing out on a grand final. So I thought that was um, I thought that was a really good thing that he did. It's a very unselfish 
move to make, especially because you don't always get a chance to play in a grand final. It's a big moment. And also, you know, he hasn't been with the team the whole year. So he just thought, you know what, I'll take a step back and let the person who's contributed more play. And I think it's it's very selfless. It's actually a good, it's a good team thing to do, I think, on behalf of And he's, and he's of had Moses his critics, particularly from you. you. You absolutely gave it to him last year, so I wanted to give him some... <laughs> He's got the right attitude. Let's hope he can turn it around and really kill himself, kill himself every week. <laughs> well, maybe maybe not kill himself every no, week, G. Uh, Jesus. Okay, guys, um, this is why this is the last pod. G has completely lost his bloody mind. I have. Um, okay. I hope next week, next year, he he shows the same um, same. Um, oh fuck! I'll give up anyway. All right, let's move on to the big news <laughs> during the week. Oh, go. You're going out on your strong note. <laughs> so, the big news of the week was the grand final scare, right? So, there was talks of postponing it, moving it yes. to Sydney. Everyone was tracking the Queensland numbers. Um, I mean, there was a very low likelihood that it was going to get called off. I mean, she would have been lynched up in Queensland if Anastasia called it off. But um, they did reduce the grand final crowd capacity to 75%, which I'm not sure that 100 to 75% makes much of a difference other than the optics. The way the NRL did it, they, they, they actually said they were going to do it as last in, first out basis yep. to refund. And then they promised those fans that had to get a refund on their tickets that they would take care of them at a later date, whether it be Magic Rounds or whatever oh, okay. else the track. That's actually not a bad thing. Now, the NRL also wasn't out of pocket because they got the Queensland government to underwrite it. So the Queensland government's going to top up their payment for those 25% that they've reduced. Now, all that's good. And I don't, I mean, it doesn't, making making it up to the fans for a once in a lifetime grand final in Brisbane, I don't know what you do to make it up to them, but let's park that for a second. But last, what they didn't say in terms of a last in, first out, if you actually have a look at the crowds in the the coverage that Channel 9 showed, that it was all the cheap seats that they refunded. At the ends of the goals. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, so there was no social distancing in the no. in the expensive tickets. Where so their actual revenue drop. It's such a calculating <laughs> thing to do. That's terrible. The NRL. My God. I wasn't paying that much, that close attention to the crowd, but what I did realise is everyone was grouped together. So I was looking at it and thought, why yeah, didn't they the just let everybody in? the halfway line, funnily yeah. enough, where the expensive yes. tickets are. So I thought to myself, why didn't they just let everybody in? What's the difference? No, 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 because, you know, they didn't want to let the family of four that paid 120 bucks to sit on the end and give their kid a grand final experience. They No, they, <laughs> but they had to be sacrificed. For the, for, I mean, it's just, just terrible. Just absolutely yeah, terrible. It totally fits the emperor theme, though. They got fed to the lions, the ticketing lions. It's just what a douchebag maneuver! Oh god, he's got. You know what it is? He's got a lot of friends in the press. So as much as he's trying, he does the right thing sometimes. Sometimes some of the stuff he does that is a little bit more cold and calculating doesn't really get critically picked apart the way oh, it should. Just terrible. Well, I don't. I don't know whether he would have been involved in this. He did come out during the week and say. Because uh, Gillan McLaughlin went over to Perth for the AFL Grand Final. Yeah. And they said, why Why isn't Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis? They asked him, why aren't you going up to Queensland? You could have got an exemption to go up for the Grand Final. Mm. And he goes, in rugby league, we're not like the AFL. If our fans are suffering, so are we. So we need to go through the same experience as our fans. I, I can't remember the last fan that was worried about AFL expansion in the state that got into a helicopter to have a look at the <laughs> post situation. I don't know. It's a th- what he says is right, but I don't think it's something that if the head of the NRL went up there, anyone would I don't really think anyone say anyone would have said anything. No, no one would have said anything. So no. it's interesting. 
where they draw the line. So they draw the lines at flying into Queensland for the grand final <laughs> when they're the chairman and CEO, but taking a helicopter flight over the Hunter to see AFL posts, that's not off limits. All right, shall we move on to the grand final, G? Yes. Our last should. game of the year. And given we were texting, I know you watched this one, so that's going to be good. The Panthers are the 2021 premiers after beating Souths 14-12. Um, and may I say, Penrith deserved it. Not just the way they gutsed it out, but also their form over the last two years. They have been the dominant team. Yes. They absolutely dominated possession and field position in the first half. Actually, oh, yeah. both halves of play. They physically dominated the Panthers in attack, in a de- in attack and in defence. In attack, the Panthers made metres through the middle at will. They had nearly 50 metres per set versus South's 35 metres. So... Yeah. That they were they were like 30 or 40% better. Remember what we said in the preview? They got to hold their own in the middle. They absolutely yeah. didn't. In no. defence, the Panthers dominated contact, pushing Souths back in contact in almost every tackle. Oh, yeah, they gang-tackled and, and turned the player around, if you notice. Actually made him face the other way to slow up down so much. And as a result, Souths had 150 metres less post-contact metres. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then off the back of all of that, Nathan Cleary's kicking game was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. One of the best grand final kicking games of all time. Yes. Whilst Adam Reynolds did kick, it was clear that he was still hampered. He got less distance than Nathan Cleary, and he did miss time a few. But you can also put that down to the Panthers' markers, putting pressure on the kicker, which Souths didn't do at all, actually. They, yeah. To me, that looks like it was a deliberate tactic because he was killing them, and I... Couldn't understand why you at least wouldn't rush him. And the one or two times they did, he panicked and it, they ended up with a turnover. So it's interesting that they didn't pressure him, especially with how good Nathan Cleary is at kicking. It's not like a Jerome Hughes. Like the guy is a phenomenal, like he'll place yeah, exactly yeah. where he well, wants. Well, I mean, they, they just, they, they, they did to Souths what Souths did to them in week one. And because Adam, and Adam Reynolds not being able to kick it, and a large part of them in week one winning was Adam Reynolds' kicking game. Kicking game, he yeah. Wasn't, he wasn't quite there. And so it was, it was uphill, but they, geez, they were gutsy to stay in this game. They despite were. All, uh, yeah. Despite all the Panthers' possession, field position, kicking, all that sort of stuff, they only led 6-0 early after Luai on the left caught out Campbell Graham to send Matt Burton over, who had a great game. Souths in the first half only threatened once when Cody set up Jackson Paulo. Yeah. Yep. Um, a Jackson Paulo line break. And then scored one of the great individual grand final tries, beating four Panthers. Capewell, bend on Cleary's chest, beats Appy and Dylan Edwards with a step to lock it up 6-all. A, a, pen, a penalty goal sent Panthers into the sheds up 8-6, but it was Souths who were the happier of the two sides at halftime, only trailing by two points, because frankly... They should have been behind, yes. They should have been out of the I game agree. by that point, right? I thought if Souths, you're Souths, you come out and you think we can still win this body game. Well, and, and they had 60% possession in the first half. You go, possession's got to eventually even up, right? Not that, not that they managed the game, but you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Souths levelled the score after the break through a penalty goal of their own before the turning point in the game was Cody Walker, unfortunately. Yes. He was having a great game. And, and, and threw an intercept pass. He should have gone short then to put Gagai over because actually Stephen Crichton was in no man's land. Oh, I've, got a, I've got a comment about that play because all year, Cody Walker would have gone short. It's almost like... No, no, he wouldn't have gone short all year. That's not true. Okay. No. But, but, but what, what I will agree with, because Cody Walker is an heads-up player. Eyes That's up. what I'm yeah. saying, yes. Yeah, yeah, but that I think the, what you're trying to say, maybe I agree with the point. So what I mean by that is... That was a set play, and if you look really closely, he almost threw the pass without looking yeah. because it was a set yep. play. Now, Cody went against what he does every, each yes. and every week, which yes. is eyes up footy. If he was playing eyes up footy, he, you know, ironically, he went against what makes him magic in that yes. play. 
if he was playing eyes up footy, you would have seen Stephen Crichton out of position. He was in no man's land. He would have put Dane Gagai into the gap, right? With a short ball. Yeah, and that's what I was surprised. Absolutely. Because, so I think because you're right. it was a set play, he just went through with the set play. And Stephen Crichton, like they do their research, right? And he kind of, he saw it coming and it, and it really was a changing turning point in the game. Just on that, T, he act, they actually, I don't know if you caught the interview after the game because Mrs. T would have been jumping for joy for She was uh, very happy. Two, I tried yes. to film it and then she turned... She made me turn the camera off. <laughs> um, but Stephen Crichton actually spoke specifically about what you just said, that he's defensive coach, and he said, I positioned myself Correct. in between. Correct. He was, was actually looking for that set play. Well, can I just... The other, th- the other thing is, G, can I just say, there is more set plays than you think at Souths. It is not always... No, it's not. Co- yeah, everyone says Cody Walker... Uh, uh, half Cody Walker's try assists and line breakers... Are set, set, plays. set plays. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not all eyes up footy, right? But that was, an, that was a scenario where actually Cody Walker did need to play eyes up footy. Yes, his instinct. He should have went with his instinct. Because there's so many times throughout the season where I've seen set plays. and But they have numbers, right? And what he does is he picks... You can see him sort of almost adjust to the defense. Whereas this time, I think you're right. He just threw the pass. Put it this way. It doesn't fit anything he's done all year other than the set play part. Because a lot of the time... Well, it does. It does set. I mean, that's a set play they run. They run that set play. That's not a new set play. That's a set play they run. Yeah, the difference is, the difference is, dude, you're playing against the Panthers. You can't play the Broncos and Bulldogs every week. No. You, you, so you, you take these magic moments where Souths beat teams. Oh, yeah, 50s. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, right? And then you go, you go, why don't they do it in the big games? Because in the big games, the, the defense teams are is different. Are yeah, They're the elite, teams are better. Of course. Yeah, so so you can't do what you do. And, and that was the th- real thing in the comp this year. And we'll talk a little bit about how, where we ranked the comp. I, I agree with the point. He should have gone with his instinct. He didn't. It was a set play they run. So he wouldn't have had any reason to. It was just the Penrith defence outsmarted him in that. We're talking about this. If Crichton actually isn't in no man's land, if he actually rushes in to go get Gagai, they're down, which is what they were probably expecting with that set they were, play. They but were, he they did were. It. That's exactly what they were expecting. And Crichton actually held his line and stayed out wide. So well, he, did, he, did, he, did, he, did, he did more than hell hold his line. He, if you have a look, he didn't reach to grab the ball. He reached no, up. He, reached he was already up. in the line. He was already in the south's line, right? So yep. it was just a set play gone wrong. The, the, you got you got to credit the Panthers' defence. They knew what they were doing. They knew the play. Yes, it wouldn't they surprise did. me. It wouldn't they surprise did. me if they knew the call, if they heard the call. Yeah, and someone. So it's th- the person who makes the defensive calls in a in a rugby league defence is the man third man in, right? So it'll yeah. be the second rower or the centre uh, on that side of the field. So it would have been Momorowski, who's had a great season and defensively has been great. Defensively fantastic. Yeah, or it would have been Kurt Capewell. Yeah. Yeah. So what? One of them. One of them would have called it. They would have heard the call, and Stephen Crichton would have known that was the set play, right? And I think that's what happened. Like I said, he spoke about it after the game, specifically about that play that I would put myself. I placed myself in the right position. So he knew what was coming. Yeah, that's right. And so that put, that put the Panthers up 14-8 with 12 minutes to go. Souths then finally decided to attack the edges, which is yes. where we said they were going to win the game. Um, but they didn't... They Because they had nothing to lose, right? They had to go after the game. And five minutes later, Cody Walker sent AJ over on the lethal left edge. Yep. Adam Reynolds, unfortunately, missed the conversion. And you could tell he didn't quite strike his kicks right. Like, he was still hampered by this injury. And you could see that with the 40-20... Uh, he would have made that distance easily, a fully fit Adam Reynolds. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So Adam Reynolds missed the conversion. And then when Souths again were on the attack a couple of minutes later, with a couple of minutes left on the clock, Cody Walker threw the ball over the sideline. 
Yes. Um, now, there was some debate about whether that was touched by the Panthers. I don't think it was. Cody Walker's done that a few times this year. He is prone to that sometimes. It's a set play. That one was a set play that just, yeah. Well, but it's a set play that hasn't worked a lot of, no, time, a lot of the times this year because it's Cody Walker's up and in. He's got no time, and he's got to, he's, he's actually got to take the bloody tackle. Yes, yeah. You know what he's got to do? He's got to take the bloody tackle, right? And so it went Ori, and then the Panthers got the ball. Now, Adam Reynolds did have a chance to tie it up with a two-point field goal, um, which he missed in the last minute. So, and in the end, the Panthers ran out 14-12. It was a tough game. It was a great game. Good for a grand final. Good advertisement for the sport. That's the way the semis have been, largely. I thought the South's back three finally got caught out a little bit. AJ was okay, but Blake Tarfe and Jackson Paulo weren't great. No. Um, Jaden Sewer, also, I thought he had to have a big game for them to have any chance. And and I thought he went... Missing. You know, not missing, not missing. Like, he got through his work and all that sort of stuff, but he didn't give me the magic that I thought. Like, I thought Kaloa Matangi tried. But I'm not sure I got the same magic out of Jaden Sewer, and he needed to. I thought Cam Murray was great. They really missed Latrell. With Latrell yeah. there, he's a game-breaker. One incident, and he kind of goes over, right? Like for the Roosters-Raiders in, in 2019. Yep. So I think with Latrell there, they could have won it. I'll tell you, the other big out for them was J.R.O. with that HIA. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that really, really... The mobility the and the fitness in the middle, you could see him starting to get tired. That's where he adds so much. It's oh, that yeah. lateral agility, and he was he was gone. I mean, I thought Souths were incredibly gritty, but like you said, that was a big, big out, J.R.O., huge. Yeah, correct, correct. And, and and for the Panthers, I thought Nathan Cleary was... I, I thought he deserved to get his... Um, I, I thought the three best Panthers players on the field were Nathan Cleary, Isaiah Yo, and Matt Burton, in whatever order you want. But that was an exceptional high-level kicking game from, Matt, from Nathan Cleary, particularly in the first half. I think he forced five line dropouts during the game. Yeah. So... It was his short kicking, his long kicking. But he had no pressure on him, I'll grant you that. But just a great, great kicking performance. And now he's won Origin and a grand final. Yeah. I can't see any reason why he won't usurp DCE as the halfback in the Australian team when Mal eventually picks a team in 2025. My thoughts on the game, they were incredibly gritty and their defence was superb to stay in the game. I also think that's countered by the fact that the Panthers' defence attack for a long time, has been quite pedestrian. Whilst they dominated possession... They defended their way to a premiership, They right? did. They Absolutely. They defended their way to win the comp. And by that, they relied on the long kicking game and their fitness and athleticism in, in defence to be able to just keep on charging up off the line. And let's be honest, push the rules as much as they can. In that game, I think they got a little bit less leniency than they did against Melbourne, but I also feel like they didn't have to slow the play the ball down as much with blatant stoppages because South weren't making any momentum at all. Um, that, so what they did is they just gang tackled and they basically turned the player around in the tackle. They did dare the ref to, to call penalties again, but South had nothing other than running one out. And the Penrith, you could see them. They were just shooting up out of the line and hitting the player early. The defense was so good. Like, I don't, I don't feel... And even when they started to throw the ball around at the end, Penrith were getting fatigued as well. Of course. So I thought Penrith were. were fitter. I yes. thought their defence was excellent. Yes. And basically since Nathan Cleary went out mid-season, they've won the game only one way. This is the way they've won every game, basically. It's it hasn't been, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been free-flowing like they were doing early in the season. Like, T, if I go back and look at all the semis, the games against Parra, the game against Melbourne, they dominated field position, but they dominated the other team's attack with their defence, essentially. They didn't do anything special in, in attack. And if you if they were as had as much variety as they did earlier in the season and were that sharp in attack earlier in this half, I think they're up 20-0 at halftime. But they, they've got a, a fairly structured style of play. 
Well, South's defence was better, right? So South's can I just defence say South... was really good. And, and basically from week one of the finals, what, what the South's Panthers' first game actually showed was it was going to get ref differently. And South's actually... The, the play of the ball was almost four seconds for both yeah. teams, dude. They, very like, slow. They both... Very slow. Um, but it does make... It makes it gritty. It makes the game... It brings fatigue back into the game. It, it makes it gritty and you can dominate now with your field positions. I think getting pressure on the kicker is even more important. But what you do, what you did see is South, just by playing, trying to keep it simple and hold the ball and trying to grind their way back in the game, you can't do that against the Panthers' defence. They're so fast and so athletic. They dominate you. They dominate you. They do, but between Melbourne and South, I think, I think there is a tactic to beat the Panthers. There is. And that is, that is you need a Christian Welsh. You need middle forwards. This is where Jackson Paul... This is where Jackson Paul... Where, where Para can sometimes get caught out, right? Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell Gillard aren't great at chasing kick chases, right? No, they're not. And so you need your middle forwards. You need a Christian Welsh or a Jai Arrow. You need a Christian Welsh, right? If Christian Welsh or Jai Arrow is on the field and they can... And remember, they both missed through HIA. Yes, I know. Yeah, so Nathan Cleary had a field day with his kicking there without any pressure. But I think they were trying to keep numbers in the line. You could see that South deliberately didn't try to put any pressure on him the whole game. But it's the marker. You send the marker, dude. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter about your line. You send the marker and the full, then the wingers are dropped back anyway. You could see that it was deliberate to hold numbers back for whatever reason. The one time they did is when they rushed out at him and he, he got surprised and they actually ended up turning over possession. But poor um, Adam but Reynolds had to kick under a lot of pressure. He was under a lot of pressure. He's growing exact opposite. In one of the other interviews as well, the Penrith said that we trust the fitness in our defence. We know we can go the whole game. So this well, is real tell. belief. That were the two things. The fitness and the defence was, was there. What I saw is South, they had a bit of magic. I thought Cody Walker, his, his try was brilliant. And they needed something. Oh, that was angry, of, angry actually, Cody. Actually, one of the... One of the great grand final tries. And actually, his defence was excellent, Cody. His defence was really good as well. Aggressive. He was really aggressive in that game, and I liked it. But I thought South, like you say, needed to push the ball to the fringes and get that. that they were shooting in and having two or three players running in really close to the refs in the middle and just charging the South runners and hitting them hard and slowing the play of the ball down. And once South started to get beyond that, they started to move... Now, it's still hard, but they started to move the Penrith defence, but that was happening in the last 10 minutes. But more importantly, what it allowed them to do for me is it allowed South to make field position because otherwise they were just getting strangled by Penrith. And they, they either had to play a bit more of a riskier style of football to make ground. If you, and if you notice, when they did do that, they made some inroads. And it's hard to play like that the whole game. Or they were just going to get strangled by Penrith. And Penrith did that to all three teams. Because defensively, that was superb. For me, I thought Cleary, like you say, had a, a fantastic kicking game. He was pinpoint with just about everything. I thought Matt Burden was fantastic. Generally, defensively and in attack, he added a threat. And do you know who actually... I don't know what you think about this. I thought Isaiah Yo played his role well. But I actually thought... See, Kickout had an underrated game. Yeah, defensively. I agree with that. I agree with that. He ran out and hit the guy constantly almost the whole game and never he missed. He showed discipline. He showed discipline that he hasn't shown all year. All year. I mean, he played like Kickout before. He got dropped about four or five weeks ago, right? Because he was a bit too inconsistent. A bit like Dave Fafita, to be honest with you. Just relying on their natural size and athleticism rather than being disciplined. And I thought he was really disciplined. That's the type of performance he can give. Um, I'm sure he'll have a great career at Saints. Oh, that was really important. And like you said, I thought Sua, he, he was defensively tough and gritty. But in attack, his hard running and fringe running was kind of a bit hit and miss in that game. I thought Colin Matangi was there. Jackson Paulo defensively did okay. But in attack, he kind of didn't offer that much. 
Sorry, sorry, I disagree. I disagree with Jackson Paulo. Fair enough. I, he made mistakes. He made mistakes, Jackson Paulo. The, the, uh, Blake, both Blake Tarfay and Jackson Paulo were terrible under the high ball. Oh, under the high ball, they panicked. Well, that, that's part of the defence, right? So I, I just, I just, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't they, they're, only, they're young kids. They're, right? It's they're nerves, kids. nerves, grand final. Um, they're young kids. Like, I don't blame them, but just they, they were just tougher. They, they'd been there before. The players had played. They're, you know, they were, they were just, the Panthers were. And I think Cody Walker tried to force the play a couple of times rather than, like you say, force, watch his, use his instinct a little bit. I know they have their set plays, but set plays don't always work against those great teams, right? There were times where he tried to force the play and he should have run as well. But you know what, T, what I thought was a big miss? Once Souths came back and they scored that try, they passed the ball out wide and Cam Murray went steaming through the hole and was dodging players. Yeah, there was no one supporting. There was no yeah, one yeah, in yeah, support correct, correct. and I that agree, was huge. That's where Blake Tarfay's inexperience shows a little bit. It's not inexperience, dude. He's not a fullback. Blake Tarfay and Lachlan Ilias are halves. But they're playing their role, right? So you're, you're Yeah, I there, get it. I get it. Setting but, but up. This is where Latrell scores that try. He's off the... He would be in the front of the line somewhere because it's experience. They know and they can exert their impact on the game, right? So I think that was a missed opportunity for South because they were, they were on a roll. And I thought the introduction of Benji Marshall made a massive difference. All of a sudden, the ball was moving around. Really, G? Did you... What did you say about Benji Marshall on the Panthers' first try? Oh, that was Ray. That was Ray Warren. Yeah, that was. I thought it was a uh, tank. Jeez, that was bad by Benji Marshall. Uh, he was on the other side of the field. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the season. Mate, mate that's that's called um, old age and eyesight problems. And you're like, hang on, he's on the other side of the field. I'm watching the replay. I'm like, and he was defending yes, at centre. Yes. Campbell Graham and Benji Marshall don't look anything alike. <laughs> no, it was the wrong guy. I'm like, what am I watching here? Ray Warren. I'm becoming Ray Warren. And I just thought that... In that but they started to, to ask questions of that Penrith defence and they started to come back into the game, but they didn't have much time left. Because you need something special to beat this Penrith team. You can't just play a grinded-out football. Yeah, correct, correct. We said that. There needed to be points in this game. There needed to be points in this game for the Souths to win. But congratulations to Penrith. They are deserved winners of the 2021 Premiership, particularly after last year's Grand Final. Yes. I think it's fantastic the way they represent their community too. Just, I love just, it. Just, I love it. Um, they are they are probably number one or two in the shithousery rankings too. Oh, they've moved up the shithousery rankings. I mean, like, when Cody Walker threw the intercept and Nathan Cleary absolutely yeah, got know. into him. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Absolutely got into him. <laughs> like, here's the media, the media narrative. If that was probably another player... They'd make a big fuss about it because it's Nathan Cleary. It's like that's part of the game. He's actually they're niggly, but they're niggly. Yeah, if that was Lachlan Lewis, oh, he'd cop it. He would absolutely, absolutely cop it. it. I mean, all Lachlan Lewis would have been trying to do there is just sell Cody some speakers. Speakers. Hey, I've got some speakers in the shed after the game. But you know, last year they were more. They played with a far more joy, exhilarating football, excitement. And this year they've become a little bit. They've moved up. The shit houseries increased. They're niggly. They're rubbing it in people's faces. <laughs> But, honestly, like you say, mate, congratulations to the Panthers. Two years in a row, they've been almost unbeatable. That's a long period of dominance. And, you know, whether it was this year, last year, they deserved the grand final uh, win. And they gritted it out with defence. In a way, how do you see them losing next year if their attack clicks a little bit? Defensively, they know they can beat anybody. And they're not a lazy team. You know, in the past, you've had teams that switch on and off because they think they're, they're really good. They're not like that. They're always on. They're a little bit like Melbourne. And they've become a little bit more niggly in pushing the rules, which I think sometimes in the semis and stuff, you need you need it. Some of these teams that are playing them, 
need to change the way they play to beat them. Otherwise, it's going to be incredibly difficult. But you know what? Good game, tight game. Unfortunately, I thought South were gallant, but Penrith, they just needed a little bit more. The Penrith were too good, and South needed a little bit more than they offered to beat them. And and great celebrations to Brian Toho. To- oh, yeah, what about that? To his partner yeah. after the game. That was fantastic. Just really, really great stuff. He's real. He's the most. He's probably. He's one of my. He could be one of my favourites, right? He, I just really likable fella, Brian Tyler. He is. Um, he's always smiling. You notice he's kind of got this. And happy, there was no social distancing in Mulgoa Road in Penrith last night. I've seen a. Few, I've seen a few of the videos. There's been fireworks, <laughs> no masks. So Sydney, prepare prepare for COVID two weeks from now. The same way Melbourne. Or seven days from now, yeah, it's not going to be great out that way. Look, to be honest, I mean, I I know we've been very sort of trying to do the right thing the whole during the whole COVID pandemic. There's a week to go where essentially, if you're double vaxxed, you're allowed to kind of mix with people, I suppose. So you know, we're, we're opening up and everyone's getting vaccinated. So if it's a week well, early, I, you, I suppose what's the difference? You washed your car on the weekend. You washed your car on the weekend in anticipation of your social activities when things I, open up. Yes, that's right. I'm able to drive around a little bit more now, so and get my car serviced. Yeah, and then you can put your SoundCloud on your car. Correct. That's right. SoundCloud's a fantastic app, by the way. It's got some great. It is, um, yeah. Music. I know. Oh, you're, you, you love SoundCloud. Yeah, actually, actually, it is good. The good thing is SoundCloud. I believe they give a little bit more um, revenue to the artists, which is fantastic. So great. All right. So great celebration. Congratulations. Good on the what, what is it? What does this mean for South though? Next year, where where are they now? So I I think they will drop to the bottom half of the eight. I and I, and, I, and I'll tell you why. They lose Adam Reynolds, Jaden Sewer, Dane Gagai. Wayne Bennett as coach and potentially Benji Marshall. Now you're taking one, two, three, four of your starting 17 on grand final day out and the, the head coach. Uh, that's going to take more than one season to recover. Lachlan Ilias looked good. Blake Tarfay's young, but it's going to take them a couple of seasons. They're not Penrith-level talents just yet. I agree with that. I think they're, they're in a transition phase. They've kind of got some of the building blocks that you can bring some of these youngsters through. But again, they're youngsters and they've got to step up and slowly find their way into first grade. I think losing Sua is big. He's a, he's a very all-around dynamic back rower on the fringe there, defensively, agility-wise and attack-wise. You know, losing Adam Reynolds is going to be huge. And Cody Walker's another year older. So... I think South will come back next year. I, I don't think they're going to be a premiership threat next year. I don't, I really I don't, I don't think they'll. I don't. I don't think so. And I don't think they'll be top four next year. I think they'll drop back to around six. I think they'll fall into that bottom end of the top six now, unless something goes wrong with some of the others. I think they'll they'll fight it out for fifth or sixth because they are still too good for some of these other rubbish teams. So, well, and the, and the rumor is Benji might go around again for Gold Coast next year, particularly if they let Jamal Fogarty go to Canberra. It's actually not a bad idea if I were the Gold Coast, but if that, but I think they need to keep Benji Marshall. And now with Milford and the things surrounding Milford, you don't know if you don't. Know. I think that's an X factor for South as well, like because we saw at the back end of the year an engaged Anthony Milford is still quite a really good player, still quite a good player. Well, that, that he's, he's lost a bit of weight too, right? Yeah, lost a bit of weight. A bit so of weight, yeah, Souths. Yeah, I I think they'll fall back to about six. I don't. Th- I think they'll make the eight easily. They still have too much talent. I agree with that. And what about the Panthers? It's the beginning of the dynasty. I mean, isn't it what? I mean, you look at that team across the park. They lose Matt Burton. You know what? I actually think that's a, a massive loss. I agree. They have enough to keep it going. And, and, but I and think they might have Burton, a pre- premiership, premiership hangover, right? Being a young side, that is very, very possible. I think that's the watch out for for the Panthers. Because to turn up with that sort of intensity and discipline week after week after week, which they've done for ten, two years, they've won... 
it's going to be hard, but to be honest, I think they'll still be top four. Gee, gee, this is their losses. This is their losses. Billy Burns to Saints. Yep. Matt Burton. Yes. Kurt Capewell to the Broncos. Yep. yep. Naden to Canterbury. Yes. And Tavita Pangai Jr. He only played a few games. Yes. For them. They're all losses. So look, I I, I think they'll be favourites with Manly. Oh, with Manly with Melbourne. But geez, I don't think they're going to run away with it like they did the last couple of years. I think I think both teams will come a little bit back to the pack. I think the Roosters, Para, maybe Manly. I, I, I haven't quite decided that yet. But there's certainly Roosters, Para, Melbourne, Penrith will be a lot closer next year. And Souths and Manly together, and that's my top six. Okay, yep. I think they won't be as dominant. I agree with you on that point, definitely. But I look at their team. The year before, Matt Burden wasn't in the team and Stephen Crichton was basically the centre of the year on that left fringe. So he's made way and sacrificed his his position for Matt Burden because he's been playing so well. So they put Crichton back in at centre and then they've got Charlie Staines with another year. They've, they've got enough depth to cover all of that and I just think they're still fast, they're athletic. I, I think the issue for them is going to be T, do they have the depth in the backs when some of these players go missing? Because that adds to their defence next year. Their forwards, they're stacked. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Capewell's been great, but Liam Martin can come in and do a similar job like he did the year before. Scott Sorensen, surprisingly, I thought was really, really good for the Penrith. Yeah. Just in general, like a lot better than he played for the Sharks, I think. And if they, if they show up with the same intensity they did next, they did this year, next year, they'll be favourites, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if they have the same discipline and... The same attitude, and I can't see it changing with Nathan Cleary, your captain, and Ivan Cleary, the coach. They'll come back a little bit because I think there's going to be games where they switch off here and there. Don't get me wrong. I still think the Panthers and Melbourne will be 1-2 in some order, but I just I just don't think they're going to run away with the comp. Like now, beating everyone by yeah. 50 points or whatever. And, but and, and, every, and, and everyone would have had an, at least now an off-season with the To catch rules. up, of course. They're going to... Provided they don't, they don't change the rules again. And other teams, like we say, they've got a level of fitness that some of these other teams don't have. So I think they're the favourite again next year, but provided they have the same hunger that they have had this year. Because their team is essentially unchanged, and they're still tall, athletic. Momorowski's made them incredibly solid. Momorowski and Crichton are going to be your centres. To and Staines on the wing. Mate, they've still got Luai. Like, they're still young. So it's just how much do they want to win year on year, I guess. I think Penrith yeah. the favourite next year for me, ahead of Melbourne. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well... Was there anything you wanted to cover off before we say our thank yous and goodbyes for another season? No, I just like the scenes. I like I like the fact that, like you mentioned, Brian Tyro proposed to his girlfriend sort of quite. I was like, did that just happen? Yes, it did. Um, and just some of the joy and, you know, you see some of the players, especially um, some of the Samoans in the team with the Samoan flag there and stuff like that. Like, there are, even though on the, on the team, on the field, they've, they've upped the shithousery component and the niggly and sort of, arrogant sort of side of things they're, they're actually an enjoyable they're, they're a team you, you can't hate Penrith I think it's great they play with the joy they're passionate about where they come from and about the area so it's um great win first premiership right. in 18 years long time fantastic congratulations Panthers the new season is rumoured to sit, kick off on the 10th of March next year so we'll be back at some point before then to uh, preview the new season like we did this year which was a monster pod which we had to split into two yes um, hopefully was. next year G will be able to remember all 16 teams in his season preview I will preview. yes I will he, he, he got the season off the way he ran hard during the season, G. Yeah, so yes. I do have a few. I do have a few people I want to thank before we sign off for this season. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, G. Um, yep. This is not easy on top of our work and our full time jobs. So 
Thank you for the commitment you've given. It's always great to catch up with you every week and just have a bit of a chat about the footy. Yep. Um, and thank you for doing the editing. And I want to—I want you to leave that bit in. So I genuinely mean that. I want to thank our partners and, and family who, yes, you know, often we're doing this late. We're trying to slot this in around yes. other commitments. We've got kids. I know. I know. Uh, you, you know. So, so I want to thank them as well. I want to thank our mates who've been really good with giving us feedback as well. So, um, yeah. Cuts and action in particular, um, they've been yes. fantastic in giving us feedback, um, telling me where I could be better and why you're holding me back. So that was. Oh, that can was I can I give the them. opposite feedback to them? Can I say to cuts? <laughs> cuts, your feedback is not requested or accepted. So thank you for for demo. Keep on giving me the positive reinforcement. Uh, I think I think cuts <laughs> is just angry at your anti roosters bias on this pod. <laughs> No, but honestly, I, I agree. I would say thank you to our mates and also um, friends of mine that are give, like you say, to give feedback, take the time to listen and, you know, very honest in their feedback, which helps us improve, but also, you know, kind of sometimes gives us the, the energy to sometimes keep it going in terms of, hey, we really like it. We enjoy the banter and the, and the chemistry that we somehow seem to have. I don't think we've got chemistry, buddy, and I never want you to say that sentence again. Look... <laughs> Look, last but not least, I want to thank our listeners. Uh, thank you for engaging with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we love doing it. It's a labor of love. Um, we don't get paid for this. We do it because we like doing it. Um, so thank you, and we hope you'll join us again next season. Thank you, G, and we'll see you next. See you in season 2022. Oh, we'll, we'll tell you, I've enjoyed the catch-ups. It's always fun to, to shoot the shit, basically, have a laugh, and um, <laughs> basically entertain ourselves with the stories of the NRL but looking forward to doing it again next year and enjoy the off-season. Thank you. You too. Jesus, you've been terrible this podcast. Your first and last podcast this season have been uh, terrible. Mate, I'll tell you what. You know what? We'll, we'll do a 75-hour preview of the off-season news <laughs> next, next, next I look year. forward to covering the 476 drug-related incidents still to go. Jeez. <laughs> Peter Volandis has an old off-season. Surely he's got to turn his attention to racing now. All right. We'll see you next year. See you, G. See you later, T. Bye.